Hello and welcome to episode number five of the Wise Guys podcast. My name is John Tortorelli with Brandon Capazzello and Justin Ray. Today we have a lot to talk about in the NBA, starting with KD's trade request, Kyrie Irving's potential next team, Rudy Gobert to the Twin Cities, Celtics big moves, Danny Ainge's return, and NBA trivia with fragrant additions, ones we hate and ones we love, one or the other. Guys, a lot's happened last week, and I'll be honest with you. A year ago, when we met at CSB, and I was looking at the 2022 offseason, it stunk, and I was saying to myself, it's going to be an underwhelming summer. It has not disappointed up until this point. Well, it's, I mean, we've got a lot of rumors and stuff out. The, the, the big, big moves, the, the I would say um, the league-changing moves haven't happened yet. But we're we're about to enter that when they will happen with uh, KD, Kyrie. There's always the rumors of Donovan Mitchell wanting out. Dame Lillard's been, you know, people have been crying for him to leave for the past however many years. Brad Beal as well. So, I mean, it, it, it's been interesting. What do you think, Justin? Uh I think we're looking at the NBA today. What we're gonna see come October when the season starts. It's going to be the polar opposite than what we expect. I mean, who would have thought KD and Kyrie would want out right now? You know, I'm here thinking this this duo would probably, you know, bring something home at least in the city, but no chance. They're both out. They'll both be separated most likely. Jeez, uh, man. The landscape of the NBA is just going to change dramatically. We already have seen one legal train move, which we'll get into in the uh, the second segment. You guys talked about Kevin Durant. I'm somebody that was a Nets fan growing up. I watched the Nets when they moved to Brooklyn from New Jersey. Decided to attach three picks unprotected and a uh, 2017 pick swap to the Boston Celtics for Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce. Kevin Garnett that season, in his first year at the team in 2013, would um, play 21 minutes a game. His scoring would drop all the way down to seven points. And on that minutes restriction... He barely brought enough value to the team. Paul Pierce will later leave for uh, Washington, which might be the jersey you're wearing. I'm not sure. I don't want to. I don't want to spoil it for the trivia episode, but neither well, here nor there. It's not. I don't know. Okay. Um. And when that happened, the Nets fell flat on their face, and the the pursuit of that move was making themselves a free agent player to, to sign Kevin Durant in the 2016 summer to make themselves a viable destination in New York. They would compete with the Knicks. The Knicks at the time still had Melo. Um, and, and you look at what the Nets are trying to do, very clearly, it was to make big moves. They, they struck out entirely, but they still got Kevin Durant in 2019 after recovering from those dismal days. D'Angelo Russell, Joe Harris, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen. They get that entire team for KD. Without even playing a single game for the team, he gets the coach fired. They let him take his red shirt season, didn't have to play. Kyrie would later leave that season with a uh, season-ending shoulder surgery. Okay, no, no problems. Second season, 2021, KD, Kyrie, James Harden. They play a total of 16 games, go 13-3. But ultimately, in the playoffs, James Harden goes down first first minute, first like first possession of the round, uh, round two series, game one versus the Milwaukee Bucks. He would return and was a complete shell of himself on that hamstring. Kyrie Irving would leave game two with an ankle injury. And Kevin Durant still take that Milwaukee Buck team that would go on to win the championship the seven games. And the first two games of that series, it was like 
the Nets are world beaters. You know, Milwaukee could not stand a chance against them. Their offense looked frazzled. And when you're going up against the Nets, who have maybe the most skilled offense in all basketball, and their defense is looking good against you, you stand no chance of winning. And then within five games, the entire narrative of that series just flipped on its head. We come into this year, KD goes down, they go on an 11-game losing streak, they're missing a bunch of their guys, lacked forward and front court depth, they go into the first round of the playoffs against the Celtics, get it swept, don't even win a damn game, only team in the postseason to get swept. And now Kevin Durant requests a trade. And as a net fan, obviously, as a, as a former net fan, I say to myself, man, they did everything for this guy, literally. He wanted James Harden, they invested their entire future into building the big three of him, James, and Kyrie. James plays in that hamstring injury, and the entire thing falls apart. He comes back this season. It was a disaster. Another dude wants out. He wants to go to Phoenix. Are you serious? Like, mm. like to, to me, it's absolutely ridiculous that after everything Brooklyn has done for KD, with all the power they've given him, the autonomy to literally, like I said before, change head coaches, flip the entire roster around to his liking, and even still for him, it's not enough, maybe because of Kyrie Irving, who he chose to play with. He wants to go play with Chris Paul and Devin Booker. When he requested a trade, he he was gracious enough to get Nets a total of two teams on his wish list. Just just two. The, the Miami Heat and the Phoenix Suns. And conveniently, the most appetizing young players or assets those two teams are throwing to that trade can't be thrown in because of Ben Simmons, there's a rule in the NBA. You can't acquire a second rookie max designated extension. And because of that, the two teams on his wish list, Miami, Bam Adebayo, and Phoenix, DeAndre Ayton, it complicates the entire idea of him going to either of those two teams. He had to involve a third trade party just to make that happen. And he was very kind to do that for the Nets. I, I, I'm, I'm just sick and tired of it. I I mean, it's it's he likes drama. He enjoys it. But I mean... <laughs> He failed the Nets, he gave up on New York, and it's an absolute travesty. And as somebody that ruined the Nets, I can't wait for him to be gone. I mean, it's been an absolute dumpster fire. One of the most, if it's not the most disappointing what if in NBA history, it will go down as one of the three or four biggest ones. And it's not all because of KD, sure, injuries that put a massive role, but for him to quit on this team when he chose to be here, it's one thing to leave Russell Westbrook when the Thunder didn't build a good offensive team around him and they're trash outside of those two guys. It's another thing when you're given everything you want to be the man you you want to become to basically change the narrative on him and you fail miserably and your response is, okay, I'm just going to leave for Phoenix. To me, it's it's distasteful. But to you guys, Justin, you're a New Yorker. How are you feeling about, as a Nets fan, Kevin Durant's trade request? Uh, as a Knicks fan, I am pumped. This is exactly... <laughs> This is exactly what I've been praying for. Since they signed, I was like, oh, man, my team is never going to win a championship with these guys in town. And right now, it turned out to be a total disaster. We dodged a bullet, and I'm excited. But as you said about Kevin Durant, man, this can we not have a, a bigger baby in the NBA? You just, you know, you're just going to pout about something, and then, boom, you want out. That's not, that's not how life is, man. You just got – you can't just get – everything that you want you're gonna you think brooklyn's gonna send you to phoenix just because ah you want to just because you want to does it suit brooklyn they gotta they gotta get the pieces that they deserve kevin durant is a top five nba player brooklyn needs to go get whatever is gonna make them the best possible team they can be or set them up perfectly for what seems to be an upcoming rebuild or retool um per se but 
at the moment, man, it, it's very disappointing, dude. That that duo had so much talent. I think they were going to be showstoppers. I think we were going to – I thought we were going to see some insanely great playoff games with these two guys, but sure. just absolutely a failure. Before you go, Brent, I, I want to – I want to add to that to that thing you touched on the rebuild slash retool. They can't rebuild because the Rockets have access, full access of their first round picks in the next five years. So there's no point in them rebuilding because you're you're just giving Houston the, the benefit of all these top picks. Wow. Sorry, you go, Brian. What, how are you feeling about this? Um, I was just I, I was uh, going on my um, little uh, Twitter machine here because yeah. I want find my uh, tweet uh, my two tweets that I tweeted about how I didn't believe that this Brooklyn Nets experiment was going to be a success and that they wouldn't win a championship um, but I came across this one uh, April 26 this this past year this year uh, Kendrick Perkins was on uh, first take and says if I'm Kevin Durant I'm getting the hell out Kevin Durant deserves better and I retweeted that and I tweeted, I said, Kevin Durant deserves better. I forgot to put the question mark, but it was like question like deserves better. This is what he asked for. This is what he wanted. If he asks out now, you think his reputation was bad? It'll be 10 times worse if he does this. The headline would be, quote, Durant can't handle being the guy, end quote. So, I mean, both of these guys, I think my point was proven to you guys when we were having this discussion um, a couple episodes ago or whatever. Um, yeah. I said both of these guys are not leaders, and they're not. And I, I think I've been validated with that. Again, it's, it's happened again. And, uh, again, look at where he wants to go. Look at the two teams, Phoenix and Miami. Phoenix has a bona fide leader in CP3, probably one of the greatest leaders and floor generals of all time. And then he wants to go uh, to Miami with the heat culture of Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra and a great on-court on and off-court leader in Jimmy Butler. He, Kevin Durant, and this is no slide because some players are just like this. Not many players at his caliber are like this, but some, ball, some people, some basketball players just want a ball, and that's it. They don't want to, you know. But we don't see it that much with his skill like Imagine if LeBron didn't want to be a leader. He just wanted to go out there and ball. He probably wouldn't, you know. And listen, LeBron had to learn how to be uh, that great leader. and That's why he went to Miami with his boy Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade showed him the ropes about that. And that's fine. It's good to get help from people. That's how you get better. KD, KD just wants to do what KD wants to do. Kyrie is going to do what Kyrie wants to do. These two guys, they like going against the grain. They like the drama, even though how much they say they don't like the drama. And it's just, it, it's a headache for me. And it's just, all my points are being proven valid about uh, KD. Well, I, I remember when Stephen A. Smith said uh, that Kevin Durant has the had made the weakest move in NBA history when he signed with the Warriors. <laughs> what is this? this if he go, gets traded to Phoenix, this is number two easily? I think it's worse, to be honest with you. And the reason why, like I touched on, it was really so more so of him not realizing how the, the the return, the feedback of him going to the team that he lost to. If you can't beat them, join them. I don't think he realized the time, but he made the right career decision leaving OKC because Sam Presti 
failed to build around him and Russell Westbrook properly. Those teams are very good defensively, but offensively, there's no terrible offensive teams outside KD and Russ. And Russell Westbrook did a poor job supporting Kevin. And so I, I felt like it would made a ton of sense going to a better situation and playing with Steph. That was the best thing for his legacy. He won two titles. He wasn't doing that anywhere else. This is worse because of the fact within two years, both years, your team was not healthy, right? You look at the 2021, Harden, hamstring, Kyrie, ankle. This year, Joe Harris, ankle. Ben Simmons, backslash personal reasons, right? You've never been able to... And I know that when you play with Kyrie Irving, you're never going to have your team at 100%. And with KD as well, at this point in his career, injuries are coming up more frequently. So it's hard to say, oh, if you ran it back, they would have been healthy. But it's a terrible look. This this awful when you get swept and you play like absolute trash. Meanwhile, you're the only player to get swapped in the postseason. You have Kyrie available. He played all four games of the postseason. We're worried he wasn't going to be able to play home games. No, he played all of them. Ben Simmons wasn't there, sure, and neither was Joe Harris. But when those two stars are there and they get absolutely shut down by a team in Boston, who they were able to beat the year before, and then Kevin's like, all right, that's the last game we're going to play in Brooklyn. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to move on to the Phoenix now. We're going to have fun. Like you were saying, Brandon, I want to extend off of that. Some guys just want a ball. I don't think Kevin Durant really is like cares. He cares about his legacy, but I don't think he really cares about the the, the impact and how much he means to Brooklyn and the commitment that they made to him and he made to them. A four-year deal that's left. Like This is the ultimate test of player empowerment because we've never seen this with a player of Katie's caliber, top five in the league, request a trade when he's going to be extended all the way to his age 37 season. And to me, like I said before, it's it's just distasteful because of how massively he will let Brooklyn down by making that the last game he ever played for them. Getting absolutely dogged by Boston. So to me, I think this is the worst thing, Justin, to be honest with you. I think it's worse than OKC. I really do. Do we so what are your guys' um predictions for KD, where is he ending up? Is it Phoenix? Is it Miami? Is it maybe a sleeper contender somewhere? You know, the the uh, the human being in me wants me to just see him get thrown to Portland to score there and play a game, which wouldn't be a bad, like, that wouldn't be like a, you know, a jail sentence. They have to play a game. And those that's two guys I, I want to see. Fun. I'd love to see that. And the the storyline of the team that passed up on him to take the consensus best player in that class from Greg Godin, then getting him 13 years later no 15 2007 it would be really cool to see him suit up in a rip city uniform and i think for portland oregon that would get those fans into it more than anything else with team that would immediately make the blazers a top four or five team in the western conference with those two guys and the thing is they have the young assets they have the veteran players and that could be appealing to, to brooklyn whereas with uh you know phoenix if I'm or with with Brooklyn, I don't want DeAndre Ayton. Send him to Utah on a three team deal. Like Ayton's good, he's got potential at 24, but like he he's not the type of player they're looking to build their new competitive team around. They want the guys like um, prime example Spencer Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, guys that slipped in the draft. They have a chip on their shoulder. With Ayton, he does have a chip, but I just don't think he has. It's gonna sound a little bit cringe saying this. I don't think he has that dog in him. Like, I don't think he has those traits where he can push himself and he needs to be pushed. He needs to be led. With those guys in Brooklyn that made the team competitive to make him like an actual free agent player, all of those guys not need to be motivated by teammates. 
Chris Paul, I feel bad for the guy. His job for two years had to have been exhausting. It was motivating DeAndre Ayton every single game because if he didn't, Ayton would very easily lose focus. And when the big man's not into his zone, he's not feeling it, he's not getting going, going early, that can affect the rest of the team just because he was indispensable to those Suns teams. You know, what he could do with his size, he had good touch and fluidity moving around. And I think Ayton's a super overrated. I think he's good. <laughs> I wouldn't want to pay him uh, over $130 million. No way. Uh, and even still, like, to me, he's number three or number four. And um, I think in some ways he limits a team just because of him being a more traditional big man. You know, like he doesn't space the floor. It's, to me, like he's he's top 10 at his position, but Aiton doesn't move me like that. I, I think if, if I'm the Nets, I'd much rather have Jeremy Grant as an empty stats guy, but I think I'd rather have the mix of young potential, maybe Anthony Simons. If we can get him and we give him the keys... 25 million a year. I'm so down for that. Plus, we get Josh Hart. He would be perfect for that. Jim McGrill, like I said, I'm not really into that as much. And I think for Portland, he'd be huge. But then Shaden, maybe Shaden Sharp probably is in that deal too, potentially. I would agree. Shaden Sharp is a, a young player with this exuberant potential at the shooting guard spot. I think for Brooklyn, that deal gives you the mix of upside and also the competitiveness to be in playoff contention. At the very least, you're a playing team. And I think in the East, you guys may know the Frenchman, Victor Wembanyama. Um, he's basically being compared to Rudy Gobert with some offensive skill. He's taller than Gobert, I think, at 17. I think a lot of the teams in the East that look competitive now, by the midseason, they're all going to be tanking for one of him or Scoot Henderson. Scoot Henderson's from the G League. Very, uh, he gets compared to D. Rose. Very high-profile guard. Um, he could easily be a first-round pick in probably half of the other NBA draft classes, but because Victor Wembanyama, Wembanyama, I can't say it. Because he's in his drafts, um, Scoot's not the consensus, consensus number one guy. But I think a lot of teams in the East, they're going to be tanking. And for Brooklyn, if that's the case, and they're still trying to be competitive, you got Orlando and Detroit, maybe they're saying, oh, we're going to go back into the lottery. That's the perfect opportunity for Brooklyn to stay in that top eight or nine relevancy mix. So I think, yeah, I think Anthony Simons, Nasir, Nasir Little, Jaden Shannon Sharp, and Josh Hart, that would be awesome for them. But for Portland, you're getting your entire roster to do that. So yeah. you keep Gary Payton. We'll talk about their fridge and signings in a little bit. Um, I think as fun as Dame and, and KD would be, you're going to have like, like six or seven guys you can play in the regular season. And while it's fine, the, the playoffs, you're going to need regular season depth, man. That, that stuff's important. It gets overrated in the postseason. You only need seven guys to run. But you're going to need 10 bodies for the, the first 82 games. Um, but speaking of Kyrie Irving, rumors have it that um, – the Lakers and the Nets are working on a trade to send Kai to play with LeBron James and Anthony Davis in Los Angeles. The deal would be centered around one Russell Westbrook along with Talon Horn Tucker and a future first round pick, likely their 2027 firsts. And to me, I mean, what fresh brand you and I are talking about this before. Uh, for listeners, Brand and I will usually talk for like 15 minutes. We'll get into debates. I'll say we're saving this for the show. We were arguing about where Kyrie Irving would end up. I was saying, if I'm Brooklyn, I'm not saying to him to Los Angeles. You screwed my franchise. We signed you the first year. You played just a little bit over 20 games with the shoulder thing. That's fine. You get hurt in the 2021 postseason. The one postseason series he's actually played well in post-2017. That's, that's the only one, two games. Outside of that, he's been consistently a poor playoff performer. Then in 2022, you don't get the vaccine. And even before that, James Harden requests a trade because... Kyrie Irving in the first place. He didn't get the vaccine. That's okay. He was playing in Brooklyn. 
I understand that it's one of like four destinations in the league where he couldn't play home games. It's really poor luck. But the reason they acquired Harden in the first place is because he's taking these these personal absences for several weeks, and they're saying to themselves, "We can't trust Kyrie." Yeah. And then we acquire Harden, and then we trade Harden for the very reason he's sick and tired of Kyrie, and Kyrie's probably sick and tired of him maybe not being in the gym because he's nursing a hamstring injury. And the connection between those guys just didn't work. And for Kevin Durant, he was like as unstable as Kevin, insecure as he may be. He was the most stable voice and character of that 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 big three, which which says a lot or very little for um more specifically. Um, Brandon, you think he's going to Los Angeles because Taylor Horn Tucker and a first round pick? If I'm the Brooklyn Nets, does not help me because Russell Westbrook, though he only has one year left in his deal is the worst contract in basketball by far. And if I'm the Nets, he doesn't make me really a better team with Ben Simmons. He's a terrible fit with Simmons. You can't have those two guys play together. Yeah. So, I mean, just to jump right off that, is like uh, I just think that Brooklyn understands where they are right now and mm-hmm. that they're not going to be contending next year or probably the year after that. It's they're, over those days. Yeah, they're building to the future. So if that's the case – how I see it is why not just go out and get a young player who's got, you know, an upside to be a solid rotation player in THT. I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, give this guy, you know, all that praise, but you know, he, he can be a solid rotation player, you know, um, go get, you know, get a first round pick um, and get Westbrook for just one year on an expiring deal. He's going to sell some tickets so you guys won't be that down in the dumps because he is still freaking, you know, people love to watch him play. A lot of people, he's their favorite player to watch because of the um, intensity he plays with. And he just freaking goes 100% all the time, every play. Yeah. So he's going to sell some tickets. It'll be, you know, I'm not going to say box office like it was in OKC, but, you know, they're going to sell tickets. So why not go get go get him? And then, you know, you get the picks and then wherever KD goes, you get picks, you get some young players and then you start building to the future. I think that's just where they are right now, because I don't I mean, I saw some uh, there was uh, two other teams that are suitors for um, uh, Kyrie. It's uh, the three teams are the Lakers, the Mavericks and the Sixers, I believe. Now, Kyrie, from all reports that are being said, Kyrie wants to go to L.A. with LeBron. He wants to reunite and I think he wants to uh, re. Uh, rewrite the wrong that he he made that he uh, he made, and he, he's admittedly so said he made a mistake and he regrets and wish that he would have never left. Um, so I think he's gonna force his way to LA. I don't think Brooklyn's got a choice because we're in the NBA, not the NFL. This is a player-run uh, league. So if he said if if Brooklyn's like, yo, we're gonna trade you to Dallas or the Sixers because that's we're getting the best deal. And Kyrie says, "All right, well, I'm not playing anymore. I'm gonna go uh, retire because I was gonna. I've already said that I was gonna retire around the age of 30 anyway. So I got my money and I'll be fine. Then, then guess what? Nets are screwed. So listen, might as well give him what the hell he wants. Get him the hell out of Brooklyn. Get him out of your hair. Don't have to deal with the man. You know what, Kyrie? Yes, here you go. Go, please leave us alone and never come back." We wish we would have just let you go to the damn Knicks and let James Dolan and Justin and his fan base deal with this. They're sick and tired of it. 
just get them out, get what you can from, and then sit back and be like, thank God they're not here anymore. That was drama to the max. I don't think we'll disagree with you on that, but to me, that's just an awful use of your resources. Russell Westbrook is negative value significantly. He is maybe the most immovable contract now that John Wall is out in basketball. So you're going to take that on giving the Lakers a guy who was making the All-NBA team a year ago so you can get Taylor Horton Tucker, who to me is a fine young player. I think in Brooklyn, he could really pan out. And 2027 first. To me, that's terrible use of assets, but that doesn't help you now be competitive. You look at what the Mavericks can offer but and John, quality John, role players. John, question though. But we're, we both agree the Nets realize they're not contending next year. Yeah. We're, so, because these are over. So, okay then. So, it, it, like, you're getting Westbrook just to just to have, you know, a little name value. That That's really it. it it's, it's just to fill space. He's going to be gone after this year. Oh. And it's to get them both out of your hair so you don't have to deal with it anymore. But you want to get something in return. Westbrook does not you know what? says I'm not going to play basketball anymore and I'm retiring, then you get nothing. And you That's the thing. See, Kyrie handcuffs them a little bit. It's That's not like you can just trade trade them anywhere and be like, we're just going to get the best assets possible. Like Brandon said, this guy could just up and leave the NBA. Like, But hold up. On the snap but of a finger. Playing in Dallas next to Luka Doncic where he could be the secondary. Like, Luka, doesn't, that doesn't Luka matter. is a natural he leader. From he a can normal lead person's better. perspective, John. You're speaking from a normal person's perspective. Dallas logical. is an awesome Kyrie's guy. not logical. He's never been logical. He's Realist. always been against the grain. He wants to go to play with LeBron. Let him go play with LeBron. He doesn't want to play with Luka because guess what? He's probably going to mess Luka up too. No. You want that. If I'm Sean Marks, I'm saying the hell with that. I'm not giving Kyrie Irving what he wants because he screwed our franchise. What has he done to deserve getting the afford the optionality to say, I'm going to go to this team, this one team? Absolutely no way would I do that if I'm Sean Marks. I'm doing what's best for my basketball team, and I don't care I could care less what Kyrie Irving wants, wants because if he wanted to get what he deserves or if he wanted uh, to get something, he would have actually earned it because in Brooklyn, he has not been available. He has not been reliable and he has not performed in the postseason when they yeah. needed him to. He was awful for three of the four postseason games versus Celtics. He was terrible. And he even in the one game, he did play well and he gave up a game winning basket to Jason Tatum at the very end with Matador defense. Just waving his John, right John, you, you can't explain the fact that, okay, if, Brooklyn, if you're Brooklyn, let's say you're you're Sean Marks, right? You're the front office of Brooklyn. Yeah. You say, Kyrie, we're trading you to Dallas or we're trading you to the Sixers because that's our best available, uh, best deal we can get. And Kyrie comes to you and says, oh, that's cool. I'm retiring. Then what? Is that the best interest of your team? I don't see Kyrie Irving doing that realistically. What are you? He's, so, in Dallas. he's so unpredictable. That That's what you, you saying. How can you not you say that you don't see Kyrie? He left for two weeks in the middle of the season and didn't tell anybody and just showed back up. Stephen A. Hold on. Stephen A. reported that after team practices, when um Steve Nash would end practices, after he would leave, he would get the players back in and run his own freaking practice after the coach was done. You know how disrespectful that is to the coach? He does what he wants, and he doesn't care about what anybody thinks. He thinks he's the smartest man in the room. Like, that's it. It's just he's going to get what he wants because this is the NBA. It's not the NFL. And at the end of the day, I don't know how many teams are willing to sacrifice big-time assets for Kyrie. So I kind of think, yeah, I think Marx's hands are tied. The only team that would go after Kyrie is somebody that's desperate, and I think the Lakers are desperate. They're yeah. desperate enough to make that move. Dallas, after losing Jalen Brunson, I think 
is desperate because in the Western Conference, you can't just say to yourself, oh, we made it to the Conference Finals, we're good. Because like we saw with the Hawks last season, if you don't make moves after making a big-time run and the rest of the conference gets better, New Orleans got wildly better with just Zion coming back. Now you have, you have more to that. Clippers are going to be wildly better. Denver got better this offseason. They add in awesome free agents. We'll get to them in a little bit. And they get their two second and third best players back. The Lakers will be better. Portland will be better. Golden State will be younger and has a higher ceiling with those young guys developing. So, John, John, just real quick. So, if he does, let's say you 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 think he 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 might end up in Dallas as well. Dallas is yeah. an awesome landing spot. I understand that because okay, so I think we can eliminate the Sixers from this conversation because I don't think Not he's happening. Going, okay. Yeah. So I believe he's going to LA. I think Justin thinks he's going to LA, and you think he's going to Dallas. So these are the two options. So I ask you this, right? If he didn't respect Steve Nash, what makes you think he's going to respect Jason Kidd? Who is gonna? Who's gonna? Who's gonna be the voice? No, who's gonna be the voice of reason for Kyrie in Dallas? There's no LeBron. There's no Le- LeBron can contain that, and he showed he contained it. He le- he has a respect for LeBron. Does he really have a respect for? If he starts making noise and making headaches, you think Luca's gonna want to deal with that? You think Jason Kidd, Mark Cuban, say something gonna want to deal with that? I got a point to make. I do agree with you on the point. Antonio Brown, the unpredictability reminds me of Antonio Brown in the NFL. You know yeah. what his next move is. But as a kid in New Jersey, this was somebody that grew up watching Jason Kidd, and it was just one of his favorite players growing up. And now he is one of the most, not respected coaches, but one of the most liked coaches by his players because of how hard he makes them work. They buy in defensively. Those players trust Jason Kidd in Dallas. We even saw Milwaukee during his first part of that stint there he is one of the best player motivators on the court he's a guy you want to play for he's tough he's no nonsense and he's also a hall of fame point guard so i think for kyrie irving yeah steve nash is a nice guy he's there he's there to be the mediator he's not what jason kidd is jason kidd's the polar opposite of a person kyrie kyrie I bet you Kyrie is this type of person that if if, if Jason Kidd starts trying to get hard with him, he's going to shut down and not want to and not not going to listen. It's going to go in in one ear and out the other. Unless he has you, all right. He he watched him as a kid. Cool. Kyrie's a grown ass man now. His opinions might change. He might be a fan, but this is work and this is basketball. And I guarantee Kyrie believes he was he's a better player than Jason Kidd. He's already he already said when they went to Brooklyn and signed Steve Nash, he said. Oh, we don't need a coach. Why do we need a coach? <laughs> like that? Come on, man. He, LeBron is the only person that he will go under his wing and be like, okay, because and, and KD. But even KD, he kind of disrespect. I don't understand how they stay friends. Like how how is that supposed to be your boy? And he's done all this stuff to you over the years in Brooklyn. Like that's your boy. Leaves in the middle of the seasons for what two weeks with no no reason whatsoever, and then shows back up out of nowhere. Refuses to get the vaccine. And, like what else? Do, this guy has screwed you over countless times. Like KD, you said you wanted to win championships, and one of your best chances at it is saying I'm not playing half the games. Listen, the- Ky- Kyrie's been a roller coaster since he left LeBron in the Cavs. I think it was a big mistake from the jump. I think he he knows it was a mistake from the jump. The, yeah. the Boston experiment, failure. The Brooklyn experiment, failure. Yeah. The only time that we've ever viewed Kyrie, I, I I think just sitting here right now thinking about it, 
the last time we just viewed Kyrie as just an amazing basketball player and didn't care about his personality whatsoever was when he was in Cleveland with LeBron. You know, he he, he was the big brother. He took care of it and he looked out for the guy. So I want to see that come back together. Man. And you want and Justin, you want to know why we didn't hear we didn't hear any of the drama or the of BS in Cleveland is because you have LeBron there. And LeBron nipped that in the butt instantly. He's not let Kyrie knew not to get wild like that. Like that, like LeBron's not here for that. But we don't we don't need extra stuff going on, right? We already got we gotta be tunnel vision. Yeah, let, let him go to LA where he can just focus on playing basketball. Let LeBron be, uh, attract all the media attention, even though I know Kyrie will draw some, but I, I just want to see that guy play basketball because that's when everybody in the NBA just enjoys him. Absolutely. I think you're totally right on that because as they're talking about the other day on the Pick Aside podcast, he's basically like a a two guard, the most skilled one in the game, and a point guard's body. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's yeah. one of the most incredible isolation scores the game has ever seen one of the greatest shooters ball handlers finishers for his size i mean it's just an immaculate skill set he has in the court and i wish that could be what we really focus on with Kyrie. um one last thing if i'm the mavericks or if i'm the nets i would honestly rather just take the risk of Kyrie potentially retiring than giving him what he wants because the Lakers trade does not help you whatsoever right now. Like I said, Westbrook and Ben Simmons, you can stagger their minutes, but even still, you, you're not winning a single playoff game with that. I think it's such an awful fit between these two guys. You, you just, to me, Dallas, what they can offer, Spencer Dinwiddie, whose contract's about $17 million. Tim Hardaway Jr., that's 21 You get to 38 Kyrie's, I believe, is at 35 So right there, you throw in Seth Curry. I think Spencer Dinwiddie... Tim Hardaway Jr. is always oh, going off a foot injury. Oh, you just wait, John. You just reminded me. Kyrie's on a one-year deal. Yeah. Why would Dallas give up all those assets when they probably know he's gonna he'll play? He, he, let's say he does play. He plays one year in Dallas and then says, "Okay, I'm going to LA." So guess what? You just lost all that, all those assets. They expecting me to play with you guys. I played one year. You probably don't do anything. You probably make this second round, maybe conference championship, but the West is so stacked. Well, those and then he two, up in LA anyway. So those two players I just listed to you, and Tim Hardaway Jr. coming off injury like a touchdown, and Spencer Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie is on expiring contract, and Hardaway Jr. is a movable piece with a uh, front-loaded deal that's going to be going down to sixteen million. You can replace those guys in free agency. Um, to me, they're not essential. They're very good, um, but to get a talent like Kyrie for even a year. They they don't get his bird rights because he was only in Brooklyn for three years after signing there. If they got his bird rights, that would be awesome. But you do make a great point there. To me, I think Dallas takes the risk after not taking it with Jalen Brunson. Look, we just need to get that secondary creator and make our offense more dynamic. And if you put Kyrie there with Luka Doncic and Christian Wood, we can potentially lure him into staying. There's a little bit of potential there, maybe if it's not uh, very likely. So to me, I mean, you're not giving up any picks. You're not investing in future capital. I don't got any. You're really just moving some movable contracts, a few depth pieces that may not fit back in with all the depth pieces they've had over the last year. But you've made up a good point. Next up, Brandon, you and I have two very uh, opposing opinions on this player, Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert was traded to the Twin Cities, fellas, for an absolute haul. Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, Leandro Balmero, Walker Kessler, the former 22nd overall pick of the 2022 NBA draft, Jared Vanderbilt, a 2023 first time protected, a 2025 first time protected, a 2026 pick swap, 
2027 first unprotected and a 2029 first round pick top five protected that's five total picks right technically uh six and a half if you're going to include walker kessler and balmero and now we didn't know this but this trade was working um in the works for a while what minnesota did in the first day of free agency was uh signing kyle anderson from memphis to a two-year deal and you think to yourself hmm, that's interesting because kyle anderson he reminds me of joe ingles or nick batum you know, a, a bigger wing that can play a little point. He can pass it. His shot's a little bit janky because he's got these, these shoulder issues, but he can pass it, and he's big, so he can defend pretty well. Like, Kyle Anderson's weird with Jared Vanderbilt a little bit. You know, Jared Vanderbilt can't really play offensively. Lack of spacing there. Then they move their two culture setters that took them to the playoffs last year in Vanderbilt and Pat Bev to Utah. And then for Utah, um, you guys, I'm sure, saw the Brian Windhorse clip. Utah traded Royce O'Neal the first day of frenzy to brooklyn and basically we knew at that point this team's not gonna say the same they're gonna make moves danny ainge absolutely got 150 percent value for rudy gobert he is on a 170 million dollar contract and he was able to parlay that after two embarrassing postseason defeats the last two years three three straight forget about 2020 then 2021 then 2022 he parlayed that into half a decade worth of draft picks. That is insane to really think about because to me, the next best offer would have been from Charlotte to get PJ Washington, maybe two picks and James Booknight. That deal is nothing compared to this. The, 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 the interesting thing though is Minnesota now has a starting lineup of D'Angelo Russell until he's traded if Anthony Edwards, Jaden McDaniels, likely, Carl Anthony Towns at power forward and Rudy Gobert at center. And what this does is it sandwiches Carl Anthony Towns defensively. You put the best rim protector of the last 15 years, arguably the greatest rim protector the NBA has seen behind him. And now you give me a funny face. What's wrong with that, dude? Huh? What's, what's crazy about that? Friend. Um, that was okay. The greatest rim protector. Give me a better rim protector. Name me one. Come on, and you're giving no, me that face. I'm not even going to say that. I'll just say what his, his new teammate said. Ain't nobody fear Rudy Gobert. Anthony Edwards speaks in the heart, dude, but I'll be honest with you. He's a year older than me. I don't know if he's a, exactly the most accurate one in his NBA takes. Even though All he does right. play in the league, uh, I think that's I, a little bit I, ludicrous I, when I watch those two players. Ex- I think he just spoke from experience. He said, listen, ain't nobody fear. They go straight out Rudy Gobert. And guess what? A lot of the time, they lose that battle badly. Why? Because he has been consistently in the 99th to 100th percentile of a defensive player on a trash defensive team that has consistently been top 10 to top 5. Why? Because of one individual. It is because of Rudy Gobert that would clean up their mess, and then the postseason, when he was asked to clean up their mess, then rotate 15 to 20 feet out to a Nick Batum 40% three-point shooter in the corner, an impossible task. He was not able to accomplish that feat because guess what? No player can. Draymond Green can't. Bam Adebayo can't. No one can. So this this stupid narrative about Rudy Gobert not being able to defend the perimeters is absolutely ludicrous to me. We're going to talk a little bit deeper about the T-Wolves and what this move makes for their team moving forward. But Brandon, we got to set the record straight on Rudy Gobert because to me, the disrespect has gone way too far. Everyone says, oh, but the perimeter, it gets exposed there. And it's ludicrous because to me, Rudy Gobert's funny looking. He's got a higher center, center of gravity. So yeah, he can get moved around so side to side. 
he may not be able to stay in front of a guy, but this guy is the longest defender in the NBA. He's one of the best conditioned players at the center position. And even though he just turned 30 years old, he is in really good athletic shape. So you can beat him off the dribble, but what terrifies players often is him chasing them from behind because he can catch and in a Giannis-like way, he can catch up and track you from behind and cover ground as well as any player. And basically, to me, what he is is a more expensive Robert Williams that is durable and more notably, a more dominant rim protector. That is what Rudy Gobert is. And for 35 to 42, $43 million a year, yeah, I think that is an overpay to an extent. But with him on your team, you are basically an automatic top 10 defense. And if you put him with a grade A playmaker, this is a guy giving you 17 to 20 points a game with 12 to 14 and a half rebounds. That is irrefutably a top five center and one of the 25 best players in the game. What? What? That's crazy. 25 best players in the game. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a list. I'll give you a list. Do you want a list right now? But I don't think that's that crazy. He's the best defensive big in the game. I mean, no, 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 it depends no. how much you value that. The only, the only defensive big you could say is better is Draymond and maybe Bam, and that's really it. Giannis so-so, but Giannis isn't a great perimeter defender. You've seen that as a Heat fan. He's not guarding Jimmy Butler usually. He has more recently. But that's I mean, has to do when he does. He does a pretty damn good job. Giannis? Yeah. So-so. Yeah, he's, he's a good perimeter defender. I wouldn't say he's elite. And with Rudy, he's, he's capable. Better than Rudy Gobert. Can, yeah, you, he is. can you name 25 better players? Yeah. Brent, then Rudy Gobert. Want me, want me to list you some guests, Brent? Go ahead. I mean, I, I don't know if I can meet him off the top of my head. No, I'll list, I'll list you some guys because I, I think I mean, giving I, me I, that I, reaction is crazy. I, All right, I, so John Moran or Rudy Gobert? John Moran. Ben, uh, Devin Booker. Booker. Chris Paul. Chris Paul. Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell. Carl Anthony Towns, new teammate. Chat. Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis. That's including the health. We're not doing the stupid if he's healthy BS because guess what? He's never healthy. Okay. Kyrie Irving. Kyrie. James Harden. Right now? Yes. Right now. I'll take Harden. Oh, okay. I would say I would say Rudy's a higher uh, floor raiser. Drew Holiday. So, yes, who's better? I'll say I'll say I'll say Drew Holiday. I, I don't even think it was there. Drew Holiday is one of the players who crumbles in the playoffs offense. Here's a brief here's a brief summary of why, because he can give you excellent elite defense defense on the perimeter. On ball, on ball. Okay, that's fine. On ball, and he can also give you fifteen to twenty points a night. But he's maybe the most inconsistent. 17 point per game score in the postseason. 17 plus points or more. That's fine. At least he can get his own shot because Rudy Gobert can't. Uh, keep, keep the list on. Let's go. How many Zana. players do we have to, by the way? Right now we're at 25 because I'm not listening to the top 12. We're at 13. So basically at this point, we're at 24 actually. Zion Williamson's the next name. I'll take Zion, dude. Last healthy. He got Siakam. Siakam. Brandon Ingram. It's a tough one. I, I like B.I. I'm pretty high in him. 
I think I'm going to take B.I. Okay, well, B.I. just got his team to the playoffs for the first time. Rudy Gobert has done that consistently for the no, last he was five years. No, I was talking Mitchell. Don't, don't do that. To be fair, to your credit, when they lost Gordon Herod and George Hill, their two leading scorers, they started the 2018 Donovan's rookie year, 22 and 27. And when Donovan broke out, they ended that season, I think it was 29 and 6. And it was one of the greatest single season turnarounds. So you are right about that. It wasn't until Donovan broke out that they became from a lottery yeah. to a legitimate team. Same yeah. thing with Gordon Herod. I do agree with you on that. But for Quinn Snyder, he was widely regarded as one of the seven best coaches in the game. And the funny thing, the funny reason why is they immediately became a playoff caliber team when Rudy Gobert became the starter. It's funny how that works. Immediately. They went Rudy, from a 20-win team, they traded Go- and next thing you know, they're a 40-45-51 to 45 to 51 team. All of a sudden, out of nowhere. Why? Because Rudy Gobert is in the middle. No. No. Rudy, listen. The guy can't give you anything offensively. He can't get his own Whoa. shot. Oh, oh. Okay. Yes. How many centers can give you their own shot? Cat, Jokic, and beat and can bam on a bio give you his own shot who's on the playoffs yeah. not very consistently one game in that boston series was able to do it consistently through four quarters that was the only time you look at uh deandre ayton is he giving you his own shot is he going to create that is he ayton's got a better offensive uh repertoire than rudy gobert you're totally right and i i agree the, the issue with rudy gobert is for people that don't watch utah closely they see the lack of skill in his offensive game and the funny thing is, he just broke the NBA record in true shooting. And that was without a great A playmaker. What if you put him next to Luka Doncic, an elite lob passer? If you do that, to me, he's going from 17 points per game on 71, 72% true shooting to 20 a game, and maybe even more because of how good of a rim runner, a lob threat, and most importantly, an aggressor he is. He makes stops. He's going to make well, plays on the defensive end, and that turns breaking, into offense. Breaking field goal percentage, you know the number off the top of your head? Um, true shooting. Yeah, what was it? Um, I believe it was 73%. Let me check right now. It was in the 70s. But it broke um, Mitchell Robinson or uh, Joe Ingles' record. Those two guys are pretty high up there. Yeah, so his, his true shooting percentage was 73% this last year, which broke See, the NBA the record. Here's the, thing, here's the thing, though, right? You can get – there's players that are just like Rudy Gobert that can give you Rudy Gobert-type production. Well, 15 rebounds a game? How yeah, many players I, are doing I, that? I don't think so. Uh, Whiteside did that back when he was in Miami. Yeah, but Hassan Whiteside defensively is far from the level of Rudy he Gobert's. No, stop, 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 stop. There's this thing called pick and roll defense, and very few defensive bigs do that better than Rudy. Hassan Whiteside can't guard pick and roll. Rudy Gobert took that off of the offensive menu for opposing teams. That is the difference between those two players. And I like Hassan Whiteside. Rudy Gobert is in great shape, and he doesn't care as much about the blocks. He's uh, trying to make talking, stops. We're talking about when he flailed out, yes, the, the, the getting in shape was the bad, but when he was on and he was ready to go he was putting up great numbers with with that team with that miami heat team and again he can't guard one through five rudy gobert all right oh uh, hold on how many players can can draymond because you're talking yes! about the other day. jalen brown was cooking him though but like you're saying jalen you're saying the other day jalen brown was cooking him in our last episode weren't you jalen brown's not even a point getting, guard i was saying he was getting i think he was getting the best of him more but draymond was still doing some work you're never gonna stop these players draymond can guard one through five Bam can guard one through five. That's Robert my exact Williams, point. Robert Williams has a better chance guarding a point guard or shooting guard than Rudy Gobert does. <sighs> you would think so. Part of it with Robert Williams is he's not always going to be available, and Rudy Gobert is constantly Dude, did you, John, did you just see what Robert Williams did coming off surgery after like – Oh, that was amazing. I thought it was crazy. You see the effort he was putting in? 
I think with Rob, he's a pogo stick. He's far less disciplined than Rudy, but he's so athletic, and he's got really good touch offensively, and he's also a million dollars cheaper. Uh, more than a million. Exaggerate. Yeah. Um, I would take Robert Rudy Williams million. over Rudy Gobert. Is that because of his contract or no. contract excluded? No, I don't care what? about the Oh my, no, no. And it's because of the contract, I agree, and that's fine because I think Rudy Gobert is slightly overpaid and Robert Williams is a good value contract. But if they're both making $14 million a year, I think you're wilding. It's because you think Robert Williams can stretch out his games in mid-range and consistently not. No, no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, okay, that, you're going too far because Robert Williams is not the same level of a rebounder or a rim protector or a shot blocker and that, that inside deterrent that Rudy is. Rudy, like I said, what his specialty is, is the length, anticipation, and he's called, what's his nickname? Um, the He's got, it's something like about him being angry. He plays with one of the highest motors with Ooh. with um, Rudy Gobert. He, he, he's nonstop. He is he's in tr tremendous shape. With Time Lord, bro, he is constantly hurt. And that is step number one that you have to talk about. I hate when people take it out, out of context that when he's healthy, no, no, no. We live in reality. If a player is only going to give me 55 games, keep the guy that give me 75. I want that reliability because that's how I build structure. With Robert Williams, he's playing next to Al Horford. as one of the best defensive bigs in the game. You're playing next to Derek White, one of the best defensive guards, a borderline all-defensive player. Jason Tatum, a defense all-defensive player if you didn't have a 26-point-per-game responsibility. And Jalen Brown, one of the best on-ball defenders in the game. Marcus Smart, a defensive player of the year. Yeah, Gilles, but we're talking, we're, talking strictly, we're talking strictly their defensive skills. We're not talking... That's the point, man. What if no. you put Robert Williams into no. Utah, one of the no. worst perimeter defensive teams in the game, and then Rudy Gobert into Boston, where he's surrounded by all these elite defensive perimeter players no, but that I'm can get stops? Seeing, I just saw Robert Williams deep in a playoff run all the way to the finals play defensive defense consistently great guarding guards consistently great is a little bit of a high bar because they're the first two games of that golden state series stefan switches and even andrew wiggins andrew wiggins is putting him in a spin cycle bro they were putting wiggins into ball screen actions and he couldn't guard wiggins toward the end of that series he did a much better job and al horford's al horford became the point of attack for the warriors offense and my, my biggest gripe here is that's against steph curry bro there's only one Steph Curry in the game. There's only one Luka Doncic. And even Luka, he hasn't had the speed to blow by Rudy. Rudy can guard Luka on a switch. It's those shifty, smaller guards. Like Reggie Jackson is a perfect example. When he'd be blown by guys, and he can, or Jalen Brunson, they can kind of just swiftly, they have good footwork, good change of pace. They can find some crafty finishes maybe around him. Um, but like a, a Luka Doncic, he beats guys to the side and his size and his slow style. And that overwhelms players. With Rudy Gobert, he's not getting overwhelmed by that. And you're talking about Steph Curry, bro. You only play one Steph in the game. And if Rudy Gobert can't guard him in non or traditional pick and roll, that's the only player. I'll take the guy taking me 25 more games. Is the best rebounder in the game, the best rim protector, one of the best rim runners. And offensively, you put him with not Donovan Mitchell, but you put him with Luca, Josh Giddy, Trey Young, Luke Lamella Ball. Guys that can actually hit him when he's open on lobs. He's averaging 20 points a game, and he's consistently making those finishes. He's worse touch than Rob, but he's efficient around the rim. So then I got to ask you guys. So clearly you guys both don't share the same opinion, clearly. Um, looking at the trade now, first off, I love the deal. I think the Timberwolves didn't give up. While they gave up a lot in picks, they still kept their, their nucleus together, which I love. Mm -hmm. So looking at the Timberwolves now, plugging in Gobert, 
Where do you see them in the West? That's a good question. Where it starts is with, are you talking about the regular season or the power rankings of the West? Because those are two different beasts. All the way through. Okay. Because where do you see them standing come the end of the season? Memphis and Denver with Jaron Jackson Jr. undergoing foot surgery is out four to six months. If he's missing the start of the season, Memphis has a long-term game. They're not thinking about October, November, or December because the league's probably going to have a – what do you call it? Not a hiatus. A um, thanks to Kyrie, Ben Simmons, and Zion. A what do you call it? 2011 lockdown. Mm-hmm. Lockout. Yeah. Lockout. Thank you, Brent. Um, so in December, maybe Jaron Jackson will be ready by then. The league, in theory, if there is a lockout, he could be ready for the start of the season. But I where's think for the, Memphis, what, they're going to take. This, where, where's this lockout coming from? What? Well, I think NBA owners, they're sick and tired of guys like Kyrie, Ben Simmons, they're paying max money to, and those guys want extensions for max money. They're not actually playing a certain amount of games. And the collective bargaining and the collective bargaining agreement that in terms of games played and available, it's all guaranteed money usually. For Kyrie, missing games in Brooklyn, he's not vaccinated. His home game money wasn't guaranteed. Contract up. Are they renegotiating now or is it? I think there's, I think Zach Lowe and a few other people are talking about on podcasts. It seems like it's very possible that will happen within the next few years. And it most likely will happen. Next two years. I thought you were talking. But it most likely, it most likely would be uh, this summer. Zion Williams, we'll talk about his extension later on. But I think for NBA owners, they're sick and tired of paying all this money for guys that aren't playing basketball games. Can Um, you blame them? No. But anyways, when we're talking about where Minnesota ranks in the West, I think they're going to take a step forward and the Grizzlies will take a step back. Like I said, Memphis, they're trying to contend. They're not worried about the regular season. They tied their franchise record of wins. That was nice. Now they're trying to take that next step. They're trying to make it to the conference finals and push for a final spot. And I think you look at the Clippers and the Warriors. Those two teams have aging veterans. While they're the two top teams, they would be the two higher highest on my uh, my power rankings. I actually think with the load management, Kawhi and PG and Steph, those guys will miss time. I think neither of those two teams will be the one. I think there's going to be another team in there in the top two spots. I think one of those two, maybe it's Golden State, they're in the top two. And that opens up an, an opportunity, whether it's Dallas, Denver, Phoenix, if they get Kevin Durant. If they don't get Kevin Durant, eh, they could be in the play-in. Those three teams plus Minnesota, that is the top six of the Western Conference. Yeah. I think it cuts off at that point. You, do you agree? Denver. I, I mentioned Denver, didn't I? Uh, I don't. Yeah, so oh, if, it's okay. my, if it's my power rankings, I got the Clippers at one, Warriors at two with the young guys. They're going to get used to the playing time. may take them a little bit. Three, Denver or Minis- Memphis. I'll go with Denver at three because of Jokic. He's just an insane fl- uh, floor raiser. And a ceiling raiser as well. We get to see him play of stars now. Four, this is my, keep my, my, my power rankings. Four, uh, Memphis. Five, Minnesota. And six, Dallas. Then if it's the regular season, I, I, I think M- M- Memphis, they'll be around five. And I can see Minnesota being the top four. So I think to answer your question, they're in the top four or five. I want to put them at six. I just, I don't, for me, I don't know. I don't. I don't see them breaking through. I think it's. I think the the. What do you mean by that? Do you think that this this trade limited their their ceiling, but it raised their floor to a higher level because of what Rudy can contribute on defense? It's just, I don't know, man. Like, there's also rumors that D'Angelo Russell is going to be on his way out. So what are they going to What are they going to get for him? What's the you know, um. 
is Anthony Edwards ready to take that next step? Because I don't know if Cat is the guy. I don't think he's really shown us that he can be the guy. So I think Anthony Edwards to take that step, but is he ready to take that step? I, I don't know. Also, is Rudy Gobert going to play late in the fourth quarter? Well, can, I, can I answer a few of those questions? By signing Kyle Anderson, they can go small. So they can, with the D'Lo thing, we'll talk about that next. You can run D'Lo at point guard, Anthony Edwards at the two, Jaden McDaniels at the three. He was awesome in the playoffs. Jaden McDaniels is only 21, and it's 20 years old. Those two guys are so young. I love what you said, Justin. They kept those two players. So while they gave up all of these unprotected first, Carl Anthony Towns is still just 26 years old. He's not 30. And that 2029 top five protected first, seven years from now, sure, and Cat's 33 and Ant's 27, maybe Ant gets injured that year in the midst of playoffs. There's always the potential for that for any trade. But it's a top five protected first. Um, I don't know the details after that year, if it maybe disintegrates in the seconds or what have you. The 2027, the 2025 first, I'm not worrying about three to five years from now because Anthony Edwards will be 25. And to me, He's going to be one of the three best shooting guards at the very least, maybe the best player at his position. Anyways, yeah, Van at the two, Jaden McDaniels at the three, who's grown into one of the league's most intriguing forwards. Kyle Anderson at the four, just size, won't take anything away. Can kind of shoot it, but not really. Passes pretty well, high IQ. Then Cat at the five. Cat in the postseason consistently is being brought up into, um, in the, the Minnesota played this high high wall defense and he was consistently being brought into actions and guarding on the perimeter he can hold up just fine guarding guards he's not adequate compared to a, a bam or a dre but he's capable and he's shown that ability so late in the fourth quarter if he's in foul trouble then you throw rudy at the five or if we're playing a team like the clippers or the mavericks that's running like nick batum at center then he can toss kyle anderson at the five and then you can slide on in whether it be the rookie Wendell Moore, who is not really experienced, but I think he'll be ready to contribute on defense and I'll get him on the floor, can shoot it a little bit, or just another guy they add in free agency, just another win in there with Anthony Edwards and D'Lo in the backcourt. The other thing, last thing I want to touch on with the D'Lo trade, he was terrible in the playoffs, but in the regular season, he's so valuable to them because one of the best playmaking guards. He can shoot it in theory, a little bit inconsistent, very streaky. And then defensively, he kind of bought into being a communicator and while he's small at 6'4", he's not athletic, he's kind of weak, he was constantly pointing out rotations, and he was doing a good job of call-outs, and that really helped his teammates kind of be crazy. They would cause a lot of havoc, go for turnovers, and he'd be the one kind of playing a little quarterback. And they have Rudy Gobert behind him. So you've got D'Lo making call-outs, Anthony Edwards running around getting steals, Jada McDaniels going to the opposing team's best player, this long six foot nine wing that was kind of a defensive stopper in the playoffs, and that will be their guy to replace Jared Vanderbilt. I think the front line on the perimeter is so much better than Utah. Royce O'Neal, he's like 6'2", 6'3". That was the perimeter stopper with the Jazz. Now that guy is seven inches taller in Minnesota. And he got Ant, who's got all the physical tools. I say to myself, even Kyle Kyle Anderson too. This team is built properly around Rudy and Cat. Now it's on Cat to show he hasn't proven to be a convincing championship number one. Can he be a number two? You put all the defensive players around him. He can now focus on what he does best, spacing the floor. I do worry, is Rudy going to clog the lanes for him on his drives? Because he really he got good at this little pump fake and go to the rim. If he's driving into Rudy Gobert's defender, that, that could be an issue. But he's also one of the better passing bigs. If he can find D'Lo, Anthony Edwards, Jaden McDaniels, if he improves, I think this Minnesota team's the best one they've built since 2004. And honestly, it's got a higher ceiling than that. Just because there's more. But they won't have Kevin Garnett playing point guard. they got so many different options on this team. I think Anthony Edwards will grow into an absolute superstar. And for them, 
this team will be a contender. Will they win a championship? I don't think so. But I'm a big fan of Anthony Edwards, and I do think he's already taken a step in his sophomore season. I could see him taking even bigger step now in his third. I think he's going to be a bona fide star. So you pair that with Gobert and you pair that with Towns. I don't know, man. I really do think uh, Minnesota could contend. They could be a top three seed in the West. They're scary, man. They're scary. You know what's crazy about that? You know what they started last season? But Well, for one, they're under 500 up until January. Uh, people are saying, they're asking me, like, what's wrong in YouTube comments? What's what's wrong with the T-Wolves? I was like, ah, I don't really know how to explain it because this year they're healthy. T-Wolves first year in the team, him and Kyle only played, I think it was like 13 games together in total, or maybe it was seven. Um, I was like, this team's healthy now, and their offense should be like top 10 with Cat and D'Lo and Ant, but it's like, it's not good. By the end of the year, they're able to turn to the best offense in the NBA. But they started last year, to answer that, that question I asked you guys, 24 and 25 in late January. So when the Celtics made that big turnaround, the T-Wolves were under 500. And who would have thought six months later they'd be investing their entire future? And by the way, this GM's new. It's not the, the David Kahn's that are drafting, you know, Ricky Rubio and Johnny Flynn. Their new GM from Denver drafted Nikola Jokic, 41. Monte Morris, 51. Malik Beasley, 19. Jared, that's the thing. He he came into Minnesota and traded the two players that he traded there from Denver, Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt. It's funny. He trades those guys when he's with the Nuggets. Then he comes into Minnesota, he trades them again. And he trades for the player, Rudy Gobert, who Woj mentioned it, that he traded. Rudy Gobert is drafted by the, the Nuggets. They didn't stash him. And instead, they sent him to Utah for, you know, the player that Rudy Gobert is traded for on draft night? Eric Eric Green. <laughs> and cash. And he also traded Donovan Mitchell to Utah, too. So it's a little quote history of Tim Connolly. I've seen him myself. These picks mean more than Minnesota. This is not the same old picks that they were wasting because he was going to make good use of those draft capital, draft resources. Absolutely. But... We have varying opinions on the T-Wolves. Last thing, Brandon, where do you rank them at West? Among those top six teams plus New Orleans, Portland, and the Lakers. So, um, I would say, I think, uh, so the top six teams from last year are Phoenix, Memphis, Golden State, Dallas, Utah, Denver. I think Utah, Utah leaves that conversation. Yeah. I think Dallas drops but only because of the moves that these other teams are making and mm. with phoenix potentially could make yeah um so i think minnesota well the clippers are definitely jumping in there so now it's between really like dallas minnesota and new orleans who's gonna who's gonna take that spot that, that sixth spot so that that's where I have them. I have them battling Minnesota, New Orleans, and Dallas battling for that sixth spot. What about Sacramento? What, what are you talking about? <laughs> where are you? What the hell was that? No. Sorry, I like the I like and the poke. I, think, I like also, the poke fun. Also, actually, I misspoke because I also do think if if we're going off of what I believe is going to happen, which is Kyrie ending up in with uh, Lakers. And I think that so I think actually the Lakers are going to be up there. I think Minnesota, New Orleans, and Dallas might be fighting for that seventh spot. Seven Dallas and moving to seven would be kind of crazy because uh, after one fifty last year, you got if you got Kyrie, LeBron, and AD, yeah, that'd be easily a forty-five win team. That's even like if you're not think available. about it. Think about it. If in Cleveland, Kyrie, 
LeBron and you take Kevin Love out and you throw in Anthony Davis. Yeah, except he's made out of glass. So yeah. well, yeah, Matt. Yeah, Matt. <laughs> he's got a. He's yeah. got a. I love Kevin Garnett. Speaking of the Minnesota Timberwolves coming out and saying like, "Yo, I love that little like motivational speech he gave." If you guys haven't seen it, check it out. I have to check it out. Yeah, he. he he, 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 he starts sweating how angry he gets <laughs> The Boston Celtics, fellas, are making money moves because they're not in it just to, to make the finals. No. They want to get their 18th title. And they started off by signing Danilo Gallinari to a two-year deal after the Spurs traded for him. Danilo but- is a player that stayed healthy last year for the most part, played over 60 games. His scoring dropped to 11 points, but still a big guy that can shoot it. What it reminds me of is Nemanja Bjelica, when the Warriors signed him a year ago. But this is a two-year deal. Keep that in mind. Danilo can pass in space, and he's got size. You throw him in a, a defense full of elite guys. Well, he'll be the target. You can say to yourself, well, he can play 15 minutes, 17 minutes, spying off the bench. But the bigger move was uh, acquiring a guard that I've been longing for in Boston. Long time now. One of Jalen Brown's best friends, one of the league's best shot makers, one that was awesome for three years in Milwaukee, playing off the ball, making shots off of Giannis. He doesn't take anything away defensively. Wasn't really a great A playmaker coming out of Virginia, but he could pass it really well. Not going to make stupid plays, high IQ. He got size at six foot five, so he can play both one and a two. And beyond those, all those things that I just mentioned to you, he's tough. He plays hard and he's not soft. For a contender, those are all the qualities you look for in Malcolm Brogdon. The Celtics acquired him for basically not very little. Aaron Neesmith, who uh, was not really playing for them, didn't really work out, and his two years spent in Boston. Just never never was able to put it all together to make the rotation second year. Daniel Tice, who they traded a second time, and their 2023 first-round pick, along with some other players who uh, Nick Stoskis, Malik Fitz, and um, Jawan Morgan. Those guys weren't really playing for them. That down on the bench. Um, this move makes the Boston Celtics semi-favorites in the Eastern Conference. The one thing that they needed was shot-making, IQ, and offensive players that wouldn't take stuff away on defense. And while Gallinari will take things away on defense, Brogdon won't. I think for them to add in the guard that could space it with size, next to Marcus Smart and Derek White. And I think you're missing playmaking, too. That, that, was the, that was the big thing. That was the narrative going into the finals. Whether you agree with it or not, the narrative going around was, Boston is missing a playmaking point guard who can set everybody up and get these guys these shots. So they've got it now. So now it's time to, you know, prove to us that that was all you needed. A lot of t- people are probably screaming now. All the Boston fans are probably screaming now. Guess what? We're the favorites to win the championship this year because we basically still got our nucleus and now we bring in Brogdon. And the free agency is not over. They could still sign some, you know, veteran players and some uh, role players to add into that uh, line, uh, bench lineup. To the so, new Brooklyn, uh, huh? To the new Brooklyn with that, they could sign the veteran yeah. Um But, but I, I'd agree. Currently sitting right here today, um, what is it, July third? Well, by the way, everybody, when this comes out, I hope everybody had a great Fourth of July. Have a great Fourth of July, end. everybody. Be safe. Drive safe. All right. Take an Uber. <laughs> Call a friend. Have a great Fourth of July, though, everybody. Um, but currently sitting here on July third, Sunday, twenty twenty two, I think the Boston Celtics are the favorites in the East. Free agency is not over. We're gonna see what my Miami Heat are gonna do, which I think there's still a little uh, a little more left. 
cooking coming up in there. Um, what do you say? A little more left. For the uh, a little more left. Okay, I thought you Pat said Riley. something. Pat Riley. Um, but yeah, and then Milwaukee's up there too. But I think Boston has filled out their roster. I think Brogdon was a great addition. I really do. I think the Celtics are so deep, man. Such a deep team from from their whole rotation. So I just look at this move, and while Brogdon does have his injury concerns, yeah, I mean he misses a lot of games since he's been in Indiana. I think with how deep they are, they can they can deal with that. They can handle him missing some games. He's not he doesn't need to do too much. They still have Marcus Smart. They still have room to make a couple of of more moves. I don't know. I love this move for Boston. I think uh, it's very easy to get, to make it to the NBA Finals once, and then you'll never be there again. You know, there, there's no problem. <laughs> Atlanta. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Atlanta ain't getting there for a long time. I'm sorry. Uh, but look at Miami. Miami made the finals. We we've been they've been hinting at it going back there, and they haven't been there since. But I look at this Boston team. Jason Tatum's still young. Jalen Brown's so young. Brogdon young. I I just think, man. This Boston Celtics team is, is primed to win championships for, for years to come, or at least contend for one for years to come. One thing to add, talk about their depth. Let's talk about it. Malcolm Brogdon is their sixth man. Derek White at the seven. Grant Williams at the eight. Peyton Pritchard, he, he's somewhere in that mix. He's like, he's a good guard that could space it. Good, good playmaker, smart decision maker. He's like trying to creep through all of like the guards and the veterans. He, he can't really see. He's trying. He's trying to like make his way into the rotation. He's good, and he's only 23, 24 years old. I think they might trade him just because they don't yeah. really need that. Now they have a guard in Brogdon who's bigger. He's twenty nine, so he's he's not like old. You know, he's in the middle of his peak or his prime. Veteran, veteran. and after Peyton Pritchard, they have Danilo Gallinari, who I mentioned. Um, after that, it falls off cliff after those nine guys. But like but we're that's talking really about, nine men, especially when you're in the playoffs. It, yeah, basically on nine. Not many teams do what Miami did. This like Miami can go eleven deep, like, but nine is usually the magic number for teams in the playoffs. I would tell that's what I was about to say. Like in the postseason, you're only going to play seven guys, and so Gallinari he gets cut out. That doesn't matter. You have your two guards and Grant Williams. You can make the case they need a backup center, like a JaVale McGee who can just add some size if and when Robert Williams gets hurt because he's not very durable. And Al Horford, who they're going to bring back, Al Horford's 35, and they're, they're thin there. Grant Williams, or 36, Al Horford. Grant Williams is good, but like you need more than that. If Rob's going to go out, you don't have Dylan Tice now as an insurance. So I think they're deep on the perimeter, but they, they need an extra backup big. Um, yeah. Actually, I had Anais Canner, Ennis, I keep calling him Anais, Ennis Freedom, um, and Tice later in the year. I think they got to add um, maybe Bismack Biombo. I'm not sure if he's been signed, but just some size that can play 10 to 15 minutes. To me, the only pause I had when I said they're the favorite is they didn't actually beat Milwaukee. They beat him without Chris Milton. And yeah. it took, they were down 3 2 without Milwaukee's second best offensive player. And we tend to forget Milton's turning 30, a little bit alarming the fact he's only got a few more years until he's like 33 but they got to beat milwaukee with middleton before we can claim them as the champion of the east because like dude they didn't win the title milwaukee did and you look at miami i think boston still has just as much to prove as the heat i think those two teams are in that second tier you got you got milwaukee at one i think they have the most gravitas the celtics are a favorite because of the team they've built i'm not a big fan of milwaukee's offseason i'll be honest with you not very high. They haven't really done much. They haven't really done much. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about some of the moves they made. Um, 
but with the Celtics move is getting Malcolm Brogdon, they have less gravitas. But I think with Brogdon coming into the mix, they're more complete than Milwaukee. We saw in the postseason, their, their role players weren't reliable when it came to the three-point shooting. Wesley Matthews is 36. He's on a one-year deal. He was at midseason for them last year, was their second-best defensive player in the wings. I don't know if for a full year if he can defend at a high level. I worry about him breaking down. They signed Joe Ingles using their mid-level. Joe Ingles was really bad last season. He can space it. He can pass it. But... He came to camp out of shape, barely shot 34% from three, which after a historical shooting season the year before was really alarming. Then he tore his ACL in January. And keep in mind, when he comes back, he's 35. He's going to be 35. And so I don't expect him to be back at the start of the season, Joe Ingles. And it reminds me a little bit of Dante DiVincenzo. You're now going to throw him back into the mix at some point in the year? I'm not a big fan of that. I think he would, he did not play well for Utah. Defensively, he was not it. He struggled, was slower. Now he tore his ACL at his age. I don't think Joe Ingles really helps him much. He could shoot it and pass. And I think Javon Carter, he can provide a lot of those same qualities. And he's smaller, but he can actually really defend and he's younger. And you can actually have him for the continuity complex in the start of the year. They resigned Javon. I thought that was good. I would say, I would say, um, I think from Milwaukee, I mean, I don't know what they can get, but like, I think like looking into trading yeah. a PJ Holly. Tucker. No, no, no. I'm talking. He's already signed with the Sixers. But yeah, they lo- they should have they should have never lost him. But I think they just probably thought Bobby Portis could do what PJ Tucker did, and you know. Well, I think they just- thought Semi Ojale could do what PJ Tucker did. And they kind of banked on him on a minimum contract, being able to make a corner three and play aggressive defensively. But I mean, PJ, even as age at 37, he's going off a career year. Yeah. I think Milwaukee they missed the boat on that. PJ was what allowed them to go Giannis at five. You have him, Brooke, and Bobby. There was so much optionality in the front court. Cut that off now. They I sent think... Bobby Portis to a uh, – they gave him last year, I think it was like a, a one-year, a one year, like $3 million deal, and then this year they gave him the, the $49 million. It's a little funny. Um, they gave him the bag. I think Bobby Portis deserves it. He's one of the most skilled offensive bigs, can shoot it from anywhere, but – Portis doesn't help them address their defensive needs. I think for offense, he's great. And that's why the Bucks' offense is really good. But uh, I was doing the wink before because it was like a little like last year when the game by Portis, that one-year deal is a little like, I don't know if you guys are going to catch on to that. It was like a little grab and go. We're going to give you a one-year deal. Then after we're going to give you the, the bag the following year. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But, um, but yeah, no, what I was going to say is that I think Milwaukee would be, would uh, it'd be a good thing for Milwaukee to look in to see what they can kind of get for maybe Drew Holiday. Brooke Lopez, you know, if you can get off a, Drew? huh? You think they would move off Drew after getting that extension? Get something if you can get a guy. I don't, I don't have any names off the top of my head that you can, you know, go, go get. But you know, because I think Drew kind of showed, like you said, he's very inconsistent uh, offensively. Like those games yeah. that he was having were just. I mean, they asked him to be the second guy, and he just could not do it. He can't score an ISO. He's I mean, a big range guy. Yeah, I think, and, and I think Brooke Lopez is kind of starting to show his age a little bit. I don't think he's not nearly what he was uh, when they won the championship. Well, keep in mind, uh, they didn't really win the championship with him in those crunch time lineups. It was a PJ. Yeah, it was he looked really about, good when he came about, back off a of back surgery for a 34 year old. He was great. And then against that, that Boston defense, they're able to, on their drives, he was kind of just like stuck. Uh, I feel like in the postseason, you're so limited with Brooke that you probably should try to try to address that while he continues to age. But I feel like for the Bucks, I don't want to harp on it, but like 
they need that PJ Tucker guy in the front court that can shoot it. Won't be PJ basically was a zero for them on offense because teams weren't playing him outside, but defensively he was so big for them and he allowed them to go Giannis at four or the five. I think is losing that defensive player. It's invaluable. And as good as Bobby Portis is, PJ Tucker was the key addition to that team. Even Dante DiVincenzo, you yeah, trade him for Serge. Never got rid of that. that was dumb trade. You think because he was inconsistent for them offensively with the injuries and in out of lineup. I'm not yeah, really sure. Like, but like, I just loved the pairing of DiVincenzo and Connington. They're kind of similar players, but like, they give you they're three and D players, right? Yes, they're streaky, but that's that's their job is three and D. Shoot the three and play some defense and be a spark plug. And that's what they're really good at is giving that energy and, you know, just, you know, those role players that are just going to come and give it every night. So I didn't really like that because I felt like that's those are the type – DiVincenzo is a type of player that's like somebody you want on a championship team. This yeah. is going to give you every night. And a 3 and D player is invaluable in today's NBA. And they contributed on the glass. DiVincenzo yeah. could pass it. Yeah, I mean, do you think – Miami can surpass Milwaukee without acquiring a big star and they have the same roster with Hero? I mean, we just saw that they're, they're the number one seed. Um, I was over Lopez literally not playing at all, though. Yeah, I don't think Miami's going to be the number one seed without making a big move this year because uh, I just I think teams are going to probably kind of figure it out and see where it's coming from. So I, I just I'm I'm banking on there's it's a must make move for my Miami Heat this offseason. We need to make a move. Well, it's like like you said, John. I mean, it's kind of back to your Hawks take. They didn't make any big moves the season after going to the conference finals. I mean, Miami's not going to drop colossally the way they did, but Miami definitely needs to add something to put themselves over the edge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for the Celtics because they added Brogdon, that only puts them. A notch above those teams when you price in i think now the bucks while they may not be the, the favorite the, the celtics will have to beat them but at the same time when you price in the value of brogdon i think they're going to be able to surpass Boston, it's just, it's what they gave what they gave up for brogdon was essentially nothing so yeah they, they, they can still roll with their preferred rotations and boston is still number one in the east yeah it's crazy to me too how they kept bringing back daniel tyson they kept trading him imagine like <laughs> As an NBA GM, they can basically tell you, oh, you're packing your bags for Sacramento tomorrow. You know, um, I, I think for the Celtics, you look at the trades they've made, talking about Danny Ainge, who uh, traded Rudy Gobert for half a dozen first-round picks. When it comes to um, the former Celtics executive, Danny Ainge, the return he got in Utah goes to show, if I'm a GM, I am never trading with Danny Ainge because every single time in negotiations, he's going to get the best of me. Think about uh- it. When they acquired uh, Kevin Garnett, yeah. it was for Al Jefferson and Stoff. No, I remember. I remember that trade. That was a Kevin McCauley. They literally stole candy from a baby. And then look at what they turned Garnett into. What was it? Seven years later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Paul Pierce, they moved him. You look at the Isaiah Thomas trade for Kyrie. If they had kept it, imagine how bad that could have went for them. You know, what if they had to pay it? You know, and they didn't yeah. trade him. And they bring in Colin Sexton. Now you have like this weird blend of IT and Sexton to do the same exact thing. No, they didn't draft Sexton. They could have used that pick on Shea Gilgis Alexander, the one they sent to Cleveland in that trade. And Shea, Shea on this this Boston team, 
on a side note, in theory, what if the I know it's a fun what if. Imagine if the Celtics kept that pick in IT and did draft Shea. And you have Shea at point with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. There you go. That'd be sick. That would be insane. Um But uh to your point with like if I'm a GM, I'm never trading with Danny Age. I think um well, we know that there's been an offer made for Donovan Mitchell, right, from my Miami Heat. We don't do know any – huh? What do you think it is? Yeah, we don't know any details of it, like I was going to say, but um, what do I think it is? I think, obviously, I, I have much faith in Pat Riley. I think the un- – we all know the untouchables in Miami are Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. They're not trading him. I mean, even – I was just watching a clip from the J.J. Reddick podcast. Uh, Bam Adebayo was on. He was talking that um he was supposed to be traded for Jimmy Butler when Jimmy was back in Minnesota, but then but then Pat said, "I'm not trading Bam. I see too much of him." So that goes to show you that Pat Riley is believed in him then, believes in him now because he's a much better player than he was then and uh, now. So those are the untouchables. Hero is obviously probably in that trade. Kyle Lowry, baby Kyle. But if Kyle's in contract, if Kyle who the contract, the contract is he's making almost 30 million. So you you wouldn't be able to add Duncan Robinson to that trade unless there's another team involved, which we didn't hear any reports of. So are they keeping Duncan Robinson then? Who else is added to that trade? Is Max Struess in the trade? They want to trade Struess. Because of the value of his contract. I think Duncan would be more likely to go. Yeah, but like then 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 that's what I'm saying. So then Kyle Lowry's not a part of that trade. Because then yeah, who are they if, giving up? Are they what giving if Utah up? adds a second player to that or a third team is in the deal? Mike Conley? How much is he making? No, I'm saying like what if like Boyan Bogdanovich is sent to a third party, like uh Milwaukee maybe. Um and then Milwaukee will send over Utah's way or or Miami's you know, some some end of the bench guy for like five, six million to make the money work. Then you basically have Duncan and Hero going with like five first round picks maybe between two of Miami's and then maybe like Lowry's that trade too. No. Uh maybe you can you can put Lowry, I guess, but at that point I think they'll just keep Lowry because it wouldn't be necessary. And then Mike Connolly Mike Connolly would just Utah's gonna trade him, I I think, if they can. If they don't get good value for Connolly, I think they'll just keep him. I'm just saying it's a scary lot. I think if we we'll, uh, if we make this deal happen, I think we easily become the best team in the East. Yeah. I mean, with with with, I don't with know how Donovan fits. What do you mean how does Donovan? He's going to be the guy. He's going to take the lead as the scorer. The more I think about it, like he doesn't fit your offense. Like what you guys do with Eric Spolstra, like off ball. He's an isolation scorer that is a high volume guy from the perimeter. He, he likes isolation. He's going to do what Dwayne did. That's literally what he's going to be. And then Jimmy's going to play off ball, which I think Jimmy actually prefers. Jimmy doesn't really like to score unless it's necessary. And he realizes that, okay, I got to go and get a bucket. He likes to play that off ball. Um, so I think he fits perfectly because that's all we were missing was the, was our number one, our score. Cause Jimmy doesn't really want to be the guy, the scoring guy. Tyler couldn't be the guy he showed us, or not yet at least. Maybe one day he will be, but Miami's in a win now, and that's why the deal needs to be made because we're win now. Jimmy's only going to get older. Contract's only going to get uh, higher. we got to make the moves now. So I think he fits perfectly with our team. 
Zira. I also, I'm still not pawning him playing defense for y'all, but that's neither here nor there. We want to know unless he gets traded there. Before we go to trivia, I want to ask you guys your biggest free agent, most notable free agent addition, whether it be a sleeper or a signing you hate. So I'm going to give you guys two, three signings I love. One signing I actually kind of hate. And it's a former number two overall pick that y'all might know. Um, do one of y'all want to go first? Yeah, I'll, just, I'll, yeah, I'll start. Uh, I think my favorite move so far of the offseason, I love John Wall going to the Clippers. I'm a big fan of it. A playmaking point guard is exactly what they needed. I don't think he's out of gas just yet. If he can stay on the court and mesh well with Kawhi and PG, which I think he will, I think the Clippers have easily a top five team in the West or even a, a top 10 team in the NBA period. Love the move though. John Wall, uh, I mean, I want to see him Dougie one more time for us. So, Are there any moves you don't like? Is there a move you did not like? Uh, yes, I'm a Knicks fan. So Jalen Brunson coming to the Knicks on that four-year, $104 million deal. You're on it? It's, I just need to get accustomed to it. I still have a bad taste in my mouth. I don't know if I, if I like it yet. I don't know if I love it yet. I might be able to help you a little bit. I'm not going to get your hopes up. I did. Send, I had to sleep on it a little bit. It's incredible for a guard that's six foot one to shoot sixty eight percent in the paint. That is what Jalen Brunson does, and he wasn't a, a high assist guy in Dallas because he's playing next to freaking Luka Doncic. I mean, he's playing off ball. He showed he can play off ball. He can play on ball. He can play make. I mean, without Luka, he was given freaking Utah forty one and thirty one with no turnovers. It's a low turnover guy, and I think he's just gonna bring stability for y'all. You're not a playoff team with him probably. Maybe he can squeak in to the plan, but that's okay because you're getting your best point guard. The more I think about it, and like what, 20 years? Like, you haven't had a point guard like this since yeah. Stefan Moore. He might be better than Stefan Moore when he was in New York. I think Jalen's that good because, like I said, he can be a complimentary piece. He can get to the rim and as a six-foot-one guard, he's crafty. He can shoot it reluctant. He's more selective, playing off ball as a spot-up guy, but he's really efficient, one of the best scorers at his position, and it's like Terry Rozier money. I think he's better than Terry Rozier. He's young. He's Is he younger? I think Terry's 27. He's 26. I was turning 26 in a few weeks. I think for y'all, it's 21 million a year. I didn't like it at first, guys saying, what is the goal here? What are you guys striving for? But then I realized, like, who else were you getting? Like, this is a win-now move, but he's younger. He fits the timeline relatively. He's only four years older than RJ. I think it's actually a good move for the Knicks. But you see, so I'm not, I'm not completely sold on saying this is a terrible move or it's a great move. It's just, like I said, as a Knicks fan, it's not the – you know, we always look for the, the sexy move. You know, we want that that big name guard. We haven't had a, a big time point guard in a very long time. That's what we've been missing for years to come. Sure. And I don't think Jalen Brunson is that big time point guard that we need. While yes, he does make us better at the moment, I do believe that we're missing we're missing a star. We need a star. That's why I see Brandon talking about Donovan Mitchell. I'm like, man, no, that guy needs to be in the garden. He doesn't need to be in Miami. You guys have had enough. Stop being selfish. Um yeah, I digress. Do you have any great friend does. Do you have any other huh? signings? Cause I have a Nick signing I really like. I want to mention to you. What's what is it? Isaiah Hartenstein for two years, sixteen million. Did is you guys see him on the Clippers? Yeah. He he's better than Mitchell Robinson, who you guys gave a four-year, sixty million dollar contract to. Yeah. I'm low on Mitch because I think he might have been saying it. He gained like forty pounds for what? He played stronger. I actually like the fact that he gained a little bit weight. 
but he's less durable. He's more likely to break down injuries. And also he's slow played the most games he's ever played this past season. Yeah, I mean, that that is true. But over time, when you're playing on that weight over years, 280 or 275, last year he played, I think it was, what, what 66 games, supposed to like 30 in 2020, yeah. 2021. A year right about that. So I came off maybe a little improper. I think over the course of four or five years, his body's more prone to break down playing at that weight. That's what I think. And he's also much lower. You can't deny that. And it's cool that he put on all that that mass, but he played 72 games last year. Bro, you only play Jokic and a B like six times a year. And Valanciunas. You know, what about the other 70 games? <laughs> like I don't I honestly think he's overrated. He's he's good. He's fine. I wouldn't want to pay more than 10 million. I think Hartenstein, he does what he does as a at what Mitch can do as a rim protector, but he's more mobile. He's 24, so he's young. But offensively, he actually has skill. He can pass pretty well. He can mm. facilitate. He can shoot it from mid-range. Like, he can legitimately shoot it. Like, I'm not messing around. Unlike yeah. Mitch, he can space it a little bit. And what separates him the most is his energy. He fouls a lot. He's young. This was his first year starting. He barely made the Clippers roster. He was fighting for the backup center spot of Harry Giles, who's out of the league now. He won it. He was... When we look at the the advanced stats, ranking the 100th percentile and plus minus, he made a clear difference in every stage of his career, whether it was the time he spent in Houston, Cleveland, he bounced around the league, found a home in Los Angeles. And now the clip the, the Knicks are committing to the former clip center. And I say to myself, if he's not the starter by this, this year, next year, we're going to be saying Mitchell Robinson is expendable because of the center you brought in. And playing with Obi Toppin off the bench, you're going to love his energy. Nonstop hustle. He's going to fail out a lot. I'm telling you, you're going to like his aggression. From your mouth to God's ears. Let's see if it. <laughs> He's really good. I think very few people really noticed him because the Clippers had Evita Zubat starting. But let me tell you, he is, if not the best backup center in the league, one of the up-and-coming starters. Only four years of playing experience. Bounced around the league. Now in New York, he's going to find himself a good home. He's so, John. Who's your who's the signing that you did not like at all? Marvin Bagley to Detroit, the <laughs> extension. I'm not out on Marvin. I I am out. Marvin Bagley with less expectation was good for the Pistons, but you draft Jalen Duran, you have Isaiah Stewart. Those guys are better centers. Marvin can't defend. He can't play center, but he's not a good enough three point shooter to play the four off of those guys. You can't play him with another big. He still can't go right. What it, like he's good, and I think three years, thirty seven million. That's $10 million a year. It's fine. But I wouldn't commit that much money to a guy that we don't need. Like, I think playing with Cade, he can be really good off the bench. And it reminds me a little bit of Obi Toppin, where he can run the floor well, he's athletic, he has good size, and he can, you know, maybe post up some mismatches. But I'm not paying Marvin Bagley more than $5 million. And for a team like the Pistons that have their young centers, I felt like it was an unnecessary extension. They also brought in Kevin Knox. They get all the former busts to pair up with, to try to rejuvenate. And I think it's it's cool. I think Bagley is better than we all make him out to be because the expectations are so high in Sacramento. But he's not that good. <laughs> like, I mean, he's fine. He put up great numbers against rebuilding teams at the end of the year when no one was really trying. I think he's all right. doesn't move me. And I think for the the Pistons, I would have just saved up that cap space, dude. I, it's unnecessary. I think for all the young guys who are trying to develop, Marvin Bagley, do they get seconds to get him but do you guys think marvin bagley will ever be a starting big i don't think so uh, i don't think he's not, that good not like, there. yeah this game is not gonna like if he could grow into a good three-point shooter i was like, okay if you if the pistons think he can develop into a good three-point shooter this is a move where i say okay 
it's fine. But as a guy that's been mostly average as a shooter, if you're a big man and you're average for the position at shooting 34% on low volume from three, you're not moving much, not space on the floor brigade. So I'm on that move. Also, the Knicks, um, they took a flying Lonnie Walker for the mid-level. I don't think he's a good fit in Los Angeles. That's the other move I'm not very high on. He can't really shoot it. He's got potential, but I think playing off of LeBron and maybe Russ, that's not the, the best use of the mid-level exception, the taxpayer. If I were them, I would have went heavily at a Bruce Brown or Gary Payton. But those two players sat in Portland and Denver, and those are my two favorite signings to go along with Isaiah Harnstein. Denver got the perfect fit playing off Nikola Jokic and Bruce Brown from New York. Great screen and roll guy. He's like a six foot three guard that's more of a forward. He's grown into a capable three point shooter. Teams will leave him open and he hit 40% of the shots. So it's like, okay, if teams continue leaving him open and he consistently does that, then they'd start playing him from outside. So if he can make shots and he's a great screen and roll guy, great cutter, and an awesome defender, even at six foot three, that's exactly what Denver needs. The adding KCP, I'm pissed they traded Monte Morris because awful. Ish Smith is a horrible fit for them. I look at that move for the, the, the tradable barn that the Washington I saw. is like, that's a good move. You get KCP. And I think KCP is a better fit playing off Jokic, better defender than Barton. And then I saw, I was like, they traded Monte Morris. To me, the best backup guard in the game. I think he's better than Tyus Jones. He's one of the best, most efficient shooters. Doesn't turn over the ball. And defensively, he's not as good as Tyus, but he, he's fine. He's like, he's not going to kill you unless you're playing Golden State. And now you have Bones Highland. I think he's really good. But with Jamal Murray coming off a torn ACL, I said to yourself, you need two backup guards. You can't just have one. And Bones Highland's not that playmaker that Monte is. So I'm disappointed they moved Monte. But I'm just, and they also signed DeAndre Jordan. He, I hope he never plays because he's horrible at this point. In all due respect, I, I know he's a, a former All-NBA player, but he, he provides nothing outside of like leadership and experience. And I'm surprised he still gets signed by these teams. Uh, neither here nor there. I won't be playing, hopefully. Bruce Brown to Denver was an awesome move. And I think Gary Payton for Portland, a very similar player, screen and roll guy at six foot three. He's going to bring great defense to the team that they desperately needed. Size. And the lack of size that he, Gary Payton has, only six three. He's an elite athlete. He's strong. He's tough. And I think it's adding those athletic guards that can play so many different roles. I think that's huge for playoff teams. So Isaiah Harnstein, Gary Payton to Portland, and Bruce Brown to Denver. Those are my three biggest moves. Brown, let's hear it. Um, so I'll give you a move that I'm kind of it's I'm I'm just like confused by because why does this guy not go out and just at least see what he can get on the open market? And that's Bradley Beal. Like, what are you doing, man? Like, yeah, He's all right, the bag. Get the bag. Dude. His birthday was a few days ago, bro. He's trying to get the birthday present. Man, like, he's showing that apparently, I guess, he, he doesn't really care about the women. So, so, I don't know. Because now, now if, if he wants to, if he demands a trade or something later on in the season, well, now somebody, a, a contending team's going to have to give up a lot to get him. And it's like, now you're, instead of just meeting with teams, like, well, I don't, that, that, that didn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm not a fan of the uh, Dwayne Deadman coming back to Miami. I just, I don't, I just, I mean. It looks spent in that, that Boston series. It does. He does. And we do need like a big man, like a center who can, like in the playoffs, maybe play like, what, five, seven minutes just to give Bam a little bit of rest. Mo Bamba would have been cool for y'all. Could space the floor that, and that, block shots. Yeah. 
that was never that wasn't gonna happen because he that's that's too much. He he wanted too 10 much. Ten million. Money. Yeah. 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 It's, we don't we don't got that. Um. Yeah, Dwayne Dedman. I, I I've been screaming from the mountaintops for us to sign Demarcus Cousins. I, I just I really like I like Demarcus Cousins. I think he can do something with giving a chance to it. Um, he really needs to be on a team. Like somebody needs to sign him to like a two or three year deal. Like, come on, it's Demarcus Cousins. Like, give this guy a shot. I think with a little bit consistency, he can actually provide and show you some uh, some stuff. Uh, I liked Depot coming back to Miami. Uh, I think he's going to be a lot better offensively this year because mm-hmm. of, of just multitude of injuries he's been through i just think that's robbed him i think defensively he showed you he's still got it yeah the hands are insanely fast he's got some of the quickest hands in the nba uh um, brown still have nightmares two months later yeah, oh my god it was just insane to see how many times that that guy would get his hand on the ball and then be knocked loose it was it was absolutely marvelous um and i get i think the biggest the biggest thing I like about this offseason is for currently is I think Brogdon to, to Boston. I'm not going to touch on it that much, but because we mm-hmm. talked about it before, but I just, I think that's what they needed and they got it. What a use of the resources too. Just one first came yeah. much needed fit. Also shout out to Lou Dort. He was one of the most underpaid players in the league. He got a five year, $87 million extension. Yeah. Talking about players getting their bags. Jokic got the Supermax most expensive contract in NBA history. He deserves every single penny. Devin Booker got it. He's the best player in like what the last 15 years. I think Booker deserves his all these guys deserve them. Even Bradley Beal. I mean, I'm never gonna say a player doesn't deserve his money because hey, you earned it. You're in the NBA. You produce, even if your team is not like Washington, a playoff team. If you can be an, a consistent all-star caliber player, Bradley was down this year, but he still developed as a playmaker. You deserve that money. But like you touched on, I want to add one thing. Washington's going nowhere. With John Wall and Bradley as the second, we saw the team was fun, but this isn't Sacramento. It's not Orlando. It's one thing if you haven't made the playoffs in a decade and you're trying to be solid and make the playoffs to get the fans excited, but Washington's been through that for the last decade. Time to rebuild now, bro. Bradley Bill is not number one. And by the time you you find this, like Kyle Kuzma's not it, Chris Dutz-Brazingis is not it, and with the Western Eastern Conference being as good as it is, Washington's nowhere near a top eight team. They added yeah. Monte Morris as a good addition. I thought Will Barton's pretty good. Will Barnes from also the DMV. I say to myself, if Bradley Beal is your number one, your your ceiling is 45 wins. It's playing. It's first round exit every single time. You all have been through that. You've been to the second round. You've been so close to the conference finals. I said the other episode last NBA, they haven't won 50 games in over 35, 40 years. Wes Unseld was in the league. Their best, their franchise player last time they won 50 games. It's time to rebuild Washington. Ownership doesn't really have... Uh, the willingness to be bad, I guess, to, to get a top pick to then become good. But that's how the NBA works. Like, if, if you want to be really good, you got to be bad for a few years. It's just, you're next, Justin. They, they had that. They just didn't draft well. I think if you realize, oh, we're going to be bad, we're going to tank, we're going to get ourselves a franchise talent at some point. You've traded Bradley Beal. He got his money. Good for him. But yeah, I mean, I don't think teams will really care about how big his con- He's the second most expensive player in the game now. I don't think teams really care about that because they see themselves, see to themselves, a guy who can fit that Chris Middleton role. I think if you put Bradley in a place like Milwaukee, he can be that player, no problem. He's just not a number one. You know, you put Chris Middleton in this Washington team, it's the same thing. Like, would you do, like, let's say, I don't know, would you do, like, Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez for, um, and, like, a pick for Bradley Beal? 
Beal's what one year younger. I don't think I would because the fit with Middleton. But I think Bradley will last a little longer because Middleton's what thirty one. Yeah, he was drafted and in twenty twelve. He's coming off a knee injury. He's gonna be so. turning thirty one. He's coming off the, the same one too. I think Bucks fans will cringe at that. Honestly, I, I think Beal, though not the same fit Middleton is, he might be better long term. Yeah, I would say no, but I think they're very similar players. I think Bradley's a better playmaker. See, I would have loved to see Beal in Toronto with Van Vliet and Siakam. I feel like that would have been a nice trio. I agree. And he can play off ball pretty well. He just doesn't have a guard. Hmm. I think the other really cool place would be uh, – it was New Orleans, but they acquired CJ. I was like, okay, no. CJ, very similar players. So, But, yeah, I mean – I don't know what Washington's doing. Justin, you got a trivia question speaking of Washington? Yeah, no, speaking of Washington, I'm wearing a jersey right now. I don't want to give out too many hints because I feel like you guys are, are pretty on the ball today. So, right, Brandon? Yeah. Brandon has a good guess. Uh, <laughs> the last time the Wizards were good, they had this player on their team. Yeah. The immediate question, the immediate thing I come to since the last time was Chauncey Billups in the Knicks. The Wizards, I immediately think of Paul Pierce in 2015. You guys make this no fun. Wait, it's Paul Pierce? Paul Pierce. You guys make this no fun. Number 34. That's my favorite NBA player of all time. I got his Celtics jersey in my closet. I never bought the Brooklyn one because I hate Brooklyn. So is he really your favorite player of all time? Yeah, of all time, man. I he has I think he has the coolest nickname too, man. The truth. Well, but why is why was he lying that one day saying he was better than Dwayne Wade? Want to be a legend? Yeah. Hey, man, you got to believe in yourself, bro. I saw you you wearing that Washington jersey as the first person that came to mind. Because it's not John. You said that I was I I was like just holding it holding in my hand. I was I I wanted to scream at you the second (laughs) time, but yeah, it's Paul Pierce. And then when we went on break, Brandon was like, "I saw the number." You know who it is? He was like, it's Paul Pierce. I'm like, oh my gosh. Man. It's Paul Pierce. <sighs> yeah, it's, that's, 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 that's pretty good. I have a trivia question for y'all. Oh, here we go. This is going to be um, an Eastern Conference-themed trivia question. And the difficulty is going to oh. be hard. I'm going to make this one hard. Um, this might be a little too hard. Okay, so this player is undrafted, so it might be really hard. <laughs> he, he played in the NBA for... Um, only four seasons from Massachusetts. He's actually, he was born in Yonkers, New York, went to Cincinnati. Started his career in the Minnesota Timberwolves and is best known for his career year with the Brooklyn Nets in 2017. They gave you a lot of hints because you can't guess this player. Like, he's not going to be the first guy that comes to mind because he was undrafted, but he's from Cincinnati University, Massachusetts native. Career year in 2017 on that on that Nets team that was, you know, pretty terrible. 21s. Kenny Atkinson's first year at the team. That is from Yonkers. Yeah. Born in Yonkers. I played four seasons. Yeah. What happened? Was it like an injury or did he just fall off a cliff? Well, those Nets teams were pretty terrible, and he was a 13-point-per-game scorer on those teams, but he never really, like, became the – he's 32 years old now as well. So, like, in 2017, he was already 27 when he was breaking out for a crappy Net team. 
There's no way I'm gonna get this. Why do you do such difficult ones? Uh, I, I I don't know if I'm gonna get this either, bro. Yeah, it's a little bit too hard. It's Sean Kilpatrick. I wasn't gonna get that. <laughs> I don't know that was I told you it was it, was, it that was a really hard one. I, I said to myself in my head, like I wouldn't guess this. Like no way anyone like I would never think of Sean Kilpatrick. But yeah. I mean, I couldn't really come up with an easy one during the episode, so that was, that was the best one I could I could come up with. Do I have one more? Oh, I do have one more in store for y'all. He's he's a role player too, so it's like medium difficult. Medium. So he was drafted by the Hawks in twenty. Well, he was drafted by the Mavericks, but as a rookie, he spent his first five years in Atlanta from twenty fourteen to twenty eighteen. Like I said, 2013. Still playing in the league. Yes, 2013 NBA draft. Though some would say it's not like a real NBA team. Yeah. Is it? Um, oh, Jeff Teague. 76ers legend. 70, what? 76ers. I'm not listening to him with the legend stuff anymore. He got me with <laughs> no, this guy actually, this guy helped him get Tyrese Maxey, which is why he's a legend. 76ers legend? Yeah, he helped them get Tyrese Maxey with that, and they would not get him after having a pretty crazy game winner in the bubble. Paul Millsap. No, but um, you're on the right track. Dennis Schroeder. He plays in the Western Conference now. He was on those Atlanta Hawks teams that won that was the number one seed, but they were He came off the bench. What's what team is he on now? Because I think that he's in the Western Conference now. He plays can I give you the division? I don't know divisions. I think it was the Kenby's more or Yeah, if I give the team you know it immediately, I think. He's a power forward. On the OKC Thunder. So it's not my guess. So, okay, forget it. Mus- Mus- Muscala? Yeah. Hey. Muscala. He actually is a 76ers legend, though. The Norris Cole thing, you can get on me for that, but like, crossed. <laughs> yeah, I was. I can't put the first players that come to my mind. Sean Kilpatrick and Mike Muscala were the first two. I'm sorry, they were difficult. Last time it was Norris Cole, so. Norris Cole. I'll come up with like actual NBA players moving forward. How about that? One oh, Brandon got one. Do y'all have anything else to share before we uh, kick out of here? Um, all I got to say is, I'm the Godfather we trust. Make that move, Miami's coming, and it's not time to come home, Donovan. It's time to take your talents to South Beach. Let's go, baby. All, all I got to say is buckle in, man, because the NBA offseason is going to be a wild ride, man. I believe so. <laughs> With all that being said, thank you so much for staying to the very end. This was episode five. A lot of fun. And as always, I was John, Brandon, and Justin. Till next time. Peace. Hey, classy.